All right, good afternoon, fellow sketchbookers. How are we doing today? I am your host, Ryan Sketch. I am back from beyond the grave, and I am super excited to be here talking to you guys today because it's a good day, and it's Monday. So what better way to start off your week than a little talk and discussion about cars and design? So we'll get to it right after this. All right, we are back. Thanks for tuning in to Sketchbook Audio. Your host here, Ryan Sketch. I've got quite a bit to talk about. Uh, before we get into talking about cars and design and whatnot, um, and then my little demo, <clears throat> um, I wanted to talk quickly about uh, my health because I've been gone for a bit, and part of that is because of the mental condition I have been in uh, for the past two weeks or so. So this all started, gosh, it's been like 11 or 12 weeks now, um, since April 23rd is the official start date of my problems. And those problems all culminated into this nightmarish situation where I couldn't do anything without just falling over. Um, it was not quite fainting or blacking out in any way. It was just my body would forget how to use its legs and its arms, and in some cases, forget how to talk. So I had a lot going on, and they were freaking me out. Um, needless to say, I got kind of depressed. I got just out of it. I, I was I couldn't draw for very long on my Cintiq or at a at a table. I would get these um, these pressure headaches. Uh, basically fluid would build up too much in my brain. It's, there's always fluid building up in your brain. It's, it's just a uh, cyclical thing. And when this pressure would build up, eventually it got to a point where um, it was either just going to expand outwards or it was going to slowly dump itself into whatever reservoir it's supposed to go into but it couldn't do that, so really it only had one option, and that was continue to build up and then cause these problems that I had. Well, <clears throat> ultimately what ended up happening was uh, two weeks ago, I went to the hospital, and uh, it was uh, Henry Ford Hospital, downtown Detroit, and I had brain surgery. Yeah, it was fun. Um, luckily, I don't remember any of it. I wasn't awake, <laughs> but... There are circumstances, and this is crazy, there are circumstances where they do leave you awake. Uh, it, it, I just, I'm so happy it wasn't that, because uh, supposedly you, they can touch the wrong thing and you taste peanut butter. I don't know. That's, that's the thing. Um, that might just be science fiction or something I heard on TV. I don't know, but it's not. I love peanut butter, but it's not something I wanted to endure. I didn't want to know that somebody was poking and prodding at different uh, synapses and things, portions of my brain. So, uh, the surgery went well. Uh, I came home the, do uh, two days later, actually. So I was only in the hospital for like two and a half days. And, um, when I got home, no, I was actually only in there for two days. Yeah. I keep thinking that the day that I came home, I was in the hospital. It, I wasn't, uh, obviously. Um, <coughs> Or, I'm sorry, no, the day I came home, I was in the hospital. I was, I was there for quite a while, um, or what seemed like a long time. And then the next day, I was I was home, but I was not in the hospital at that day. 
So, I, I don't think any of that makes sense. Yeah, I should probably go back and edit that at some point. But bear with me. I was in the hospital Wednesday and Thursday, and then I came home Thursday night, really late at night. And uh, Friday I woke up after all the drugs had woken off or worn off, and I had a massive, massive headache that just wouldn't go away. Um, thankfully, I was loaded up from the pharmacy with a what seems like an endless supply of narcotics, but uh, it, uh, you know, I just I took one and um, one of the stronger ones that they had, and I just ended up sleeping the rest of Friday, so whatever, but when I woke up Saturday, I was pretty good. Um, I walked around the house fine. I was talking just fine. I was a little slow, um, and I was sore all over because of all the poking and prodding they did to me, uh, but ultimately, the, the good thing is I am actually probably right where I was before any of this ever happened. So uh, thanks to Detroit Henry Ford's Hospital downtown Detroit, um, I am here. I am here to talk. I am here to do some art. And I'm here to talk about awesome cars. So without further ado, let's get into uh, what's happening in the real world these days because there have been a couple cool things. Um, I think the last podcast episode I did, we talked about the Honda Civic sedan, uh, but Honda finally launched or revealed the 2022 Civic hatchback. And I got to say, I'm, I'm in love with it. It's not quite what the previous generation was, the 10th generation, but it does a great job of bettering the previous generation while also maintaining at least the silhouette or a portion of the um, longer hatchback that uh, that the Civic was in the 10th generation. So uh, when did they reveal it? I can't remember what day it was. I think it was like, oh, it was, it was Thursday, actually, when I got out of the, uh, when I was just waking up from my medically induced coma. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's when they revealed it. So that was that was pretty cool that I was there uh, for that. Um, and what was interesting was they, I think they revealed it either in California or Japan. And it was just like their global model. This is what it's going to go around the world. And uh, I happened to be awake <laughs> because I was just in so much pain. But uh, and then, then people just kept coming in and out of my hospital room to ask me questions and, again, poke and prod me. But um, I got to I got to stay awake and, and watch this reveal from wherever it was. So this, the new Civic, the things that got better are the proportions and the cargo volume. So now, and I'm not, I don't know the exact dimensions, and I'm not going to get into all those fancy numbers because uh, that's not what we do on this show, but needless to say, it got bigger, and that's what matters, right? You want a hatchback, probably wanted a little bit more space and capability than what the sedan could offer you or the coupe, so you went and got uh, the ha uh, Civic hatchback. Well, um, the opening got bigger, so you can you know, easily slide in bigger objects. 
the, the actual trunk space got a little bit bigger. Um, the rear leg room got significantly bigger in terms of millimeters. I mean, it's it sounds like not a lot because I think it was like 36 millimeters. But when you're actually in the back of the car, that can be the difference between your knees like slammed up against the back of the seat and them being uh, just like a thumb's distance away from the back of the seat. And that's that's more than enough. By that point, you're able to extend your legs and put your feet underneath the front seat and feel pretty comfortable, especially if you're, if you're tall. Um, and then that can also be the difference for the tall person who's got knees that uh, sit up really high. And most seats have that S shape. So um, your knees would hit the just under... Uh, like where your shoulder blades would be. Oh, you can just look at this seat. For those listening on the podcast, you can't see what I'm talking about, and I apologize, but that's just the way it is. Um, back here, if you were sitting behind this chair, your knees would hit up here if you had really long legs or you were tall. So <clears throat> Honda took that into account and, and really focused on adding room to uh, the vehicle. I think in some ways it's actually shorter overall length than the uh, previous gen Civic, but it's okay because somehow they made up for all of that on the interior. And I think one of the ways they made up for it was um, the dash, everything on the IP is not so convoluted. It's not, you know, you don't have this long uh, dash to axle and this huge uh, landscape behind the steering wheel, it's a little bit closer, a little bit tidier, um, and that afforded some room in different places. And I think the seats are actually a little thinner too, so that probably gave them some room. And then, you know, depending on how those back seats are positioned um, in front of the rear axle, you know, you're, you're pro they probably got some space there as well. So overall the dimensions are great on paper for the new civic i'm excited to actually get in and test drive one um but the one thing that really has me intrigued uh is the interior material quality previous generations of civics have had really cool styling for the dash and the ip uh maybe a little bit chaotic in some ways especially when it comes to the different parts. There are a lot of different components on Civic dashboards. And a lot of times that can lead to um, crazy panel gaps, rattling, squeaking of, of plastics, and just an overall aesthetic that's not super appealing. But I did like the overall layout of the previous generation Civic Although, you know, there are a couple little things I would have changed. Long story short, Honda didn't want to just change a few little things. They changed the entire thing. So now this 11th gen interior looks nothing like the 10th gen. And really the exterior looks nothing like the previous generation either. So, you know, there are some minor similarities. Uh, the taillights have that C shape that Civics have had for a little while. Um, albeit not as overstyled, I guess, or as extreme as the 10th generation. Um, and then the hatch overall is a little bit less rounder, and but now it's, it's taller. So 
again, overall, I like it. I think it's a great looking card. But the thing that really gets me, um, or that's really going to change my mind about a Civic is the interior quality of materials. And since they've reduced the amount of different uh, components to that dashboard and the IP, I think there's room for them to be a better quality. Mazda, honestly, is the company to match when it comes to interior quality and just overall styling. I think Mazda 3 has the nicest looking interior for, for the money. Uh, there, there's not many other vehicles that come anywhere near that. The Corolla has gotten better, but it's still nowhere near as good or as uh, aesthetically pleasing as the Mazda 3. And the Mazda 3 can get a black and white interior, a black interior, and a black and red interior. And the red just looks stunning. So if Honda, no, so here's where Honda, I think, is kind of setting themselves up for some troubling uh, sales numbers, maybe, is right now all I've seen are is all black interiors. I know that's kind of the thing these days, but in, in reality, if you really look at what's going on, it's the dealerships that are ordering these rapid feedback or these rapid spec models and they all have the black interior. The black interiors are the cheaper interiors for an automaker. As soon as they start throwing in different colors, then costs start to change a bit and you know now you have different, um, you just have a lot more part numbers and that convolutes everything and therefore it raises the prices. Well, <clears throat> If Honda doesn't offer some alternate color combinations on the interior, could be quite the boring car. Even the uh, Corolla has a black and white interior that's pretty nice. Um, I don't know if they have a, a black and tan type interior off the look, but otherwise it's it's pretty much a black interior on the Corolla. Um, but the Civic hatch does look really good, and Civ uh, Honda did release quite a few exterior um, aftermarket parts through their performance department, which is HPD, Honda Performance Development. Um, and they're not bad. You get a really big wing in the back. Some people don't like that big wing, a la the, uh, the STI or the WRX, you know, and had that huge wing or the Lancer Revolution. Some people don't like that. If you don't like that, then you can stick with a simple... Uh, lip spoiler or you can do both if you're feeling a little crazy and sporty I guess so Honda Civic knocked it out of the park with the hatchback the sedan I'm sorry I'm, I'm not quite there with it yet I'm sure it's a good car made well it'll get great gas mileage and it might even be pretty fun to drive especially since the SI will only be offered in a, a sedan model uh, that could be a, a fun vehicle if they tune it right is it going to be as good as the Mazda 3 or the Mazda 3 hatch? Probably not because the Mazda 3 offers all-wheel drive on the hatchback as well as 250 horsepower with a 2.5 liter turbo. Actually, it might be more than 2. Or, uh, 250 horsepower, but either way, I think Mazda has the upper hand in quite a few segments. And both of them are a bit better than the... Uh, than the Corolla. Now the Corolla does offer a stick shift in most of their trims. Um, the Civic only offers stick shift in the Sport and Sport Touring. Um, 
I would imagine the SI will have a, uh, a manual transmission or an automatic transmission. Um, but it's again, it's only in the sedan and you know, we have no idea when or what the SI looks like. We also don't know when the Type R is gonna come out. What we do know about the Type R, and this was pretty cool, is that it's gonna have some kind of hybridized transmission or powertrain, and that could be really cool. They said something about putting an electric motor somewhere, but if it's a hybrid, then that means you have a gas-powered engine, most likely in the front, they're not gonna put that in the rear. Um, could you imagine a mid-engine Honda Civic? <laughs> That would be pretty pretty wild. I don't know how cool that would be, but that would be pretty wild. Um, and you'd have my attention. But <clears throat> they have uh, they have just mentioned putting an electric motor. So if you have the gas-powered engine up front, you got to put the electric motor in the rear, right? So could we have an all-wheel drive Type R? Maybe. I'd be willing to sacrifice you know, a few seconds off of, or, you know, even just like a second off of the zero to 60, if you give me all wheel drive, um, the Civic S, uh, type R has quite a bit of horsepower, but it's all front wheel, right? So you get a decent amount of oversteer or, or torque steer. So I don't know, you know, how good this new type R is going to be if you give it more horsepower and you still only have front wheel drive. I think an all-wheel drive hybrid would be genius, number one, and number two, perfect. Uh, you'd have a true track car, and you'd also even probably be able to compete in the WRC. Uh, you know, there's no Lancer Evolution anymore, so might as well throw in uh, some kind of competition to the Mini Cooper um, with the all-four. And the, uh, well, a couple, you know, like, um, what's his name? Uh, the guy who drives for Monster. Um, he's got the Hoonigans. Uh, you know, you could have, tra not Travis Pastrana, uh, the other guy. But anyways, he had a Fiesta that had all-wheel drive, and I think there's even a Veloster out there somewhere that had all-wheel drive for the WRC. But there's no more Lancer, and all there is really is, as far as competition goes, is the WRX and STI. So, I would be excited to see a Type R with all-wheel drive, and then let it let it go up Pikes Peak, let it go in a rally cross, and see how it goes. Speaking of rallies, Mitsubishi brought back rally art, something I never thought they would do. Now, it right now it is just for their. Um, their off-road racing competitions and I, they don't really have a vehicle that's dedicated for rally art but what they are doing is um, offering parts again and some performance upgrades right now though I don't think there's any vehicle that's getting them in the US however Mitsubishi is known in other countries as still being a very competent vehicle maker for these off-road and rally cars uh, <clears throat> the Rebel Rally actually sent a um, a Mitsubishi Outlander it might have even been a plug-in hybrid Outlander but rally art stuff may have been on that as well it's too early to know exactly what's going to happen with this rally art you know did they just bring it back for kind of like how Mopar is so they have a parts distribution um, arm to Mitsubishi or are they actually going to start offering 
you know, something kind of like the Mitsubishi Rally Art Lancer or Lancer Rally Art, however you want to say it. Um, but like I said, for right now, because Mitsubishi is known in other parts of the world as being very successful in that kind of performance, uh, I think Rally Art might not show up in the U.S. for quite some time. Uh, now, speaking of Mitsubishi, I did get to take a close look at the Outlander, the new Outlander. And I got to say, it's really nice. Mitsubishi did a phenomenal job in building this new vehicle that I think is going to sell very, very well. Um, so well, in fact, I think that the Mitsubishi dealership I was at really underestimated Mitsubishi's performance for this year because they only had two Mitsubishis on their lot. All of the Outlanders they had like two weeks ago are gone. There's, they sold at sticker almost, um, plus whatever incentives were available. And uh, they had like three or four, no, I'm sorry, they had three Mitsubishis, but they had three or four uh, of the Eclipse Cross. And they were actually pretty decent looking. They just didn't have every option. Um, but they sold all of those and they sold all of their Mitsubishi Outlander Sports. The Outlander Sport is actually seeing some of its best sales numbers now than they have ever. So, you know, maybe Mitsubishi's poised for a comeback for something that's very strong that could lead to what their investors and their stakeholders or stakeholders, shareholders um, have been pushing them to do, which is bring back a Lancer or an evolution of some sort. Now the odds of it being a traditional sedan compact hatch or sedan with a crap ton of performance, probably pretty low. What they could do though is do something with the Eclipse Cross to you know lower it, shrink it a little bit, and kind of make it look like a fastback uh, Lancer evolution, kind of like the Lancer um, Sportback that they made a few years ago, back in like 2013 to 15, uh, and they had a Rally Art version of that too. So you could get almost Evo performance in the Rally Art package so much more affordable i think they should do it i think it's a great idea you could take that sportback package and lift it and it would be that suv that crossover that people are just dying for right now um, but it could also still be a compact a true compact and compete very well in in those races you know jeep has the renegade which in no way shape or form is competent or capable enough to do any of those rally crosses, but it's the right size and it's the right package for off-roading and street driving. So, you know, something that size, obviously not that shape, but something that size could do very well for Mitsubishi and uh, it, it could be a real hoon, if you will. And boy, would I love to hoon a, a revival of the evolution or the rally art. So Mitsubishi, Interesting story. I'm excited to see where they go. Nissan actually hasn't been doing all that great lately, um, particularly in, in Europe. But I think they're poised for a turnaround too, a comeback. And could be interesting to see how they do. If Nissan does well, Mitsubishi does pretty well. Uh, especially since Mitsubishi is now fully integrated into Nissan and sharing um, components from, from Nissan. So if you don't know, the new Outlander is based off of the new Nissan Rogue. 
albeit a bit longer. So you get that third row that the Rogue does not offer. So that's how they're not cannibalizing from one another. And the styling is completely different. There's very, very few elements from the Outlander that are borrowed from the Rogue. I think the only one that I could obviously see was the uh, the infotainment touchscreen and just their overall nav uh, like their the infotainment uh, software the platform is identical to Nissan's. The difference, uh, however, is well you know when you're going through the, a lot of the menus you don't see a Nissan Rogue you see a Mitsubishi Outlander. So there's that. Um, but otherwise, it's it's its own vehicle, and I think the Outlander is going to do very well, as it's already proven to do. What's going to do even better is when they finally launch the plug-in model, which I would highly consider. Um, it's doing well in Europe and I think in Japan, so you know something that would be really cool. The interesting thing that I noticed though about the Outlander I checked out was it it was the special edition limited edition package, so it didn't have the black and orange stitching. Uh, the black leather with the orange stitching and the orange, um, it's like an orangish tan, uh, dash insert. Um, <clears throat> or you can get like an all white and black interior, which is really elegant and nice. I just, I don't know if it would do well for me because I like to go off-roading. I like to get dirty. So, and I have a dog, so I, I don't want all those stains showing up too much. And, and a white car would be fantastic. Uh, would, a white interior would not be fantastic. A, a darker interior would. Brown would be great, but they don't offer... A brown interior yet they did on the previous uh, outlander but you know who knows if they'll do it on this one um yeah so we're, we're just waiting for that plug-in to happen there is a plug-in eclipse cross just not here you can get it in europe and probably japan i would imagine but just not here quite yet so gotta wait and see if that ever happens um so good things coming from mitsubishi i think uh <clears throat> speaking of electric performance um, Dodge actually has a big announcement, uh, really a teaser, but it's, it's a big announcement when you think about it, a uh, big announcement happening on July 8th. So that's in two days, I believe three days. Yeah. Three days time. Well, now it's six of six o'clock here. So two and a half days time. Dodge said that they are going to announce a teaser to something about their future performance. Now, if you know anything about Dodge, Dodge is all V8s, muscle, and, and power, brute force. Uh, they don't, <laughs> as they are right now, they don't really care about the environment. And that's fine um, because they make some really cool cars. But for the, glo you know, the global big scheme of things, it's not fine because Chrysler, well, uh, Stellantis is going to have to continue buying credits from Tesla and Toyota or whoever to maintain um their abysmal fuel economy numbers on big muscle car performance uh, performers like the Hellcat Red Eyes Challenger and Charger, uh, the Durango SRT and the Hellcat, uh, and even Jeep with the SRT Trackhawk. <clears throat> so Dodge with this new announcement, I would imagine somehow, because Tim Kaniscus, uh, head of Dodge, has said before, that electrification is going to be the new muscle car. It's just how do we start? Where do we start? And you know, in how much time do we actually launch a fully electric muscle car? Who knows? And it's going to make a lot of people upset, hands down, because the guy who's buying the Hellcat Red Eye is not cross shopping a Tesla Model S. Probably not, right? 
if he's looking for, you know, just straight up performance numbers, straight line drag type race, and uh, you know how quickly can he get down a quarter mile? The Tesla Plaid is by far the best choice. You're talking about zero to sixty below three seconds. That's insane. So, um, Dodge isn't quite there yet. Could they do it? Yes. And I think the way they could get insane numbers like that right now is to add an electric motor to the rear axle. But do they have the technology and everything else to, um, and a transmission, you know, you got to have a transmission that can hold up that kind of torque, instantaneous torque, and the, just overall those performance numbers time and time and time again. You know, Tesla claims, and so far I think they're honest about it, claims repeatability. Uh, I don't know if Dodge has, or Stellantis overall has the know-all to make that happen yet. I think they could. Remember, FCA is no stranger, or Chrysler in general is no stranger to electrification. They've been doing it for a little while, even if it's just in concept form. Um, if you remember way back when uh, Bob Nardelli from Home Depot owned uh, Chrysler right after, you know, right off the heels of Mercedes, then you will remember um, they had an electric program that just kind of got kicked to the wayside as soon as Fiat came in. Uh, hold on one minute, guys. I'm going to take a quick break and then I will come right back and we will continue this conversation about performance in the electrification age. All right, so we are back. Um, I don't know if, well, this might actually, we'll find out in about eight, seven, six, five, four. This might cut me off and I might have to do a whole new. Nope, it's still going. Good, we're, we're still going. Okay, so here at Sketchbook Audio, we never stop. We just keep going. Um, so Tesla's got the, the Plaid and Dodge has you know, Hellcats, Hellcat Red Eyes, and just the whole SRT program, but they've got to come up with some way to electrify their muscle cars and then get a following. And that's going to be the hardest thing. How do you market the, you know, amazing performance out of an electric car? How do you market that to muscle heads who really only buy muscle cars for the speed and the sound? There's no sound on a electric car. Now I am super excited for the Kia EV, which I'll talk about in a second here, but I'm really excited for it because one of the key features about the GT is insane performance numbers. We're talking like 500 pound feet of torque and over 450 horsepower. Those are really good numbers for an electric car, especially from Kia. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what that is, but it doesn't make any noise. If you go online, go to YouTube and watch uh, the Kia EV6 reveal, at the very end of the reveal, there is a drag race between the EV6, a McLaren, a Porsche 911, um, a Lamborghini, a Ventador, I think, or, or maybe, a, oh, what's the other one? I can't remember, but um, just all these known performance vehicles that have engines, I think there's a Ferrari in there, um, all these performance cars that are known, proven supercars with ICE powertrains, internal combustion engine powertrains. Um, and it 
It won. It beat all of them except for the McLaren. And the McLaren, it almost overtook, but at the very end, the McLaren uh, beat it. But it was really, really close. So uh, I, those are bragging rights, in my opinion. Um, and it's got all-wheel drive. So it can keep up with the rest of those vehicles that also offer all-wheel drive and ridiculous performance numbers. So <clears throat> if Dodge can somehow come up with something like that eventually and then be able to pipe in a really good sounding Hemi noise, it might win over some people. I, you know, I honestly think it's going to be really hard to do, but maybe they can create a whole new generation of quote unquote muscle heads uh, with people who are more obsessed with electric numbers and straight line performance. Um, not to say that an electric car can't handle a twisty track like the Nuremberg Ring or uh, the Goodwood Festival of Speed or Pikes Peak. I'm sure they can, especially with all-wheel drive, but, um, you know, some of these other performers have been around for a while and they, they know how to make a car that is very capable of, of doing crazy things on, on different kinds of racetracks. Look at Alfa Romeo and the uh, Quadrifoglio, both of them. Very capable vehicles, very powerful vehicles. And, uh, you know, if, if people aren't going to buy the big V8s, a twin turbo six would do great, which is what the uh, Quadrifoglios have. Um, and then Maserati and uh, um, Ferrari are both throwing, you know, they're getting away from the big V8s and, and uh, you know, some other cars have V10s, but uh, they're getting away from the V8s and putting in twin turbo V6s. So there is word that the twin turbo V6 will come to the Jeep Grand Cherokee probably for the first product and then other vehicles will slowly take on that uh, powertrain as well you know we don't know we don't even know what the grand cherokee looks like yet other than if you look at the grand cherokee l it's very similar albeit it's going to have a different back end of course uh, it doesn't have a third row um, the front end from the spy photos i've seen look um similar but better for the two row i think <coughs> i think the uh three row is just geared more towards that luxury, that family experience. But, oh, hey, you can take it off-road. And it, it performs very well. Um, it's not a Wrangler. And it's, you know, they don't have a Trailhawk version of the Grand Cherokee L. Uh, but they more than likely will have a Trailhawk and possibly a Trackhawk version of the, just the two-row Grand Cherokee. There will be no high-performance version of the L as of today right now no plans for it but you never know who knows um maybe here's the only way they could start you know keep using their uh, their hemi v8s is they either hybridize it and add an electric motor or they build nothing but electric cars on every other model that they make and then just have one high performance vehicle in each of their branches whether it's chrysler uh jeep um, or Dodge or Ram, you know, Ram does have the TRX and that's been doing really, really well. They're all, all the launch editions were completely sold out and they're still selling quite a few of them. Um, so, you know, I guess the question is how long is it going to take for muscle heads to die out? Well, probably a good 50 years is my, is my guess. Um, so they need to come up with a way to convince those muscle heads, those gear heads 
the petrol heads, the people who have to hear an exhaust note, have to see an exhaust first and foremost, and then also be able to hear said exhaust, get them to buy into the crazy performance numbers that an electric vehicle can do, but quietly, that's going to be hard to do. And I would love to see what marketing schemes, Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, whoever can come up with, because it'll, it'll be really cool. Um, as far as Alfa Romeo is concerned, since I mentioned them earlier, Alfa is coming out with, at some point, probably by the end of this year, a uh, their first PHEV uh, or plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, which will be the Tonale. And once the Tonale comes out, uh, it'll also be paired with, because um, it's going to be built in the same plant as the Renegade and the uh, the Compass PHEVs. So <clears throat> uh, I, I think I think it's built in the same plant. Um, don't quote me on that. They might have moved it to a different plant where they don't build those other two, and it'll just be like a small Maserati and a Alfa Romeo. I don't I don't know exactly what their their plant organization is right now. I have to do some research, but. Uh, at the end of the day, we're going to get a compact Alfa Romeo that's plug-in hybrid and then a full-size that's based on the Giorgio platform that underpins the Grand Cherokee L, the new Grand Cherokee, and eventually, I think, the Durango, um, the, the next-generation Durango, if it sticks around. My guess is it's going to. The Durango still sells pretty well, better than what they ex had expected, and now that it just got a makeover um, in the past year, you know, it gives people reason to continue buying uh, that three-row muscle crossover or SUV, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what else to talk about? Oh, yeah, let me go back to... So I'm on Autoblog, of course. Um, Volvo revealed an interesting and kind of controversial, as far as design goes, a concept called the Volvo Concept Recharge. It's kind of a dumb name because A, we already know it's a concept, and B, you know, it kind of just goes without saying, but Recharge is the surname of all of their electric vehicles that they have right now. So you have the C30 or C40 Recharge, you have the XC40 Recharge, you have the S60 and 90 Recharge. You know, they all, if it's electric or plug-in, it says Recharge at the end of it. Um... <clears throat> so calling it the concept recharge just feels like it's doing a disservice to how interesting this concept is. But basically what it is, is a design study uh, to show you the new design language for Volvos, particularly their electric vehicles, um, but also a test bed for LiDAR. And LiDAR is a type of radar, sonar type um navigation tool for autonomous driving it's it's a really cool tech but um you know leave it to volvo to be the one to really put it out there uh for something that's going to be a production model at some point um you know because volvo is considered one of the safer vehicles they pride themselves on the safety of their vehicles so uh that'll be pretty cool the thing i don't like about this car is the length particularly the wheelbase, there's a lot of empty space going on and just this big blank canvas uh, between the wheels. And it's it's kind of off-putting when you have this dead flat rear end. Now, I know the, the back end has some cuts and grooves and shapes and stuff, but overall, when you look at the silhouette, it's flat. 
Um, so you have this long sloping roof, which looks really cool. And then you have um, a really sculpted, I mean extremely sculpted front end uh, with these big haunches for the shoulders and the taillights that Thor's hammer fit really nice into the design and the graphic that they have. But then you look at the back end and it's just, it just stops. Now, it definitely helps uh, accommodate more stuff as far as cargo and storage. So good for them to that. For that, it maximizes their storage capabilities. But then you actually look on the interior of this concept and you realize there's only four seats. So, you know, if this was meant to be a big family hauler, which it looks like from the outside, um, it fails to do that on the inside, unless, of course, said family is only four people. Mom, dad, brother, sister, brother, brother, sister, sister, that kind of thing. Um, the minute you want to throw in another kid, where do they go? You know, does this have jump seats? It doesn't look like it does in the back. Um, I'm looking, looking, and all I see is a, a big, um, interesting cargo area with some sort of interesting textile but there are a lot of elements on this vehicle that I love. I think they did a phenomenal job with uh, the taillights that have different layers um, and thicknesses and thinnesses of the LED uh, line work. The wheels are beautiful. They're big. They actually sit proud of the tire, which is never really a good thing if you're valeting the car. <laughs> Um, but it does look like it does, it'll do a good job of keeping the car aerodynamic. Uh, so, so that's a plus, but it's just a really cool shape and it's one of those, um, wheels that's directional. So, it, you know, it's not just straight up and down panels. It's actually like each thing is kind of off centered. Uh, it, it's, it's just a cool wheel. The other thing I like about it is the roof. The roof has this cool tint to it where it looks like this matrix um, pattern. Uh, it, it's just really nice. It's a very elegant looking car. Again, the only thing I disliked about it was the silhouette. When you look at the side of it, it's just, it's kind of like one of their wagons lifted up um, and then just given a very flat back. And, you know, it's growing on me the more I keep looking at it, but overall, it's a really well, um, articulated design so i think if this is the future of volvo which you know they probably will never build this car but if it's going to be elements of their design language that's going to show up on future vehicles future volvos then i'm all for it this is this is really smart especially the interior and that front end absolutely phenomenal um the next vehicle i want to quickly talk about i don't want to go too far over 45 minutes but uh we have two more minutes. Um, Bronco. Bronco fans, if you wanted an actual Bronco, you know, the one with the stick shift and the big beefy tires for going off-road, I'm sorry, but your cars are just not going to be made anytime soon because of this chip shortage and some other uh, supplier issues that Ford is having. So what I would recommend is if you really want an off-roading vehicle that's kind of like a Bronco, for the most part, it's a box with four wheels and a stick shift uh, and, a, and a good eight-speed uh, ZF transmission if you want to go with automatic. Um, go get a Wrangler. And you can even get a Wrangler truck. It's called a Gladiator. So you can have more capability and functionality 
than you would with the Bronco you don't have right now because they're they're they stopped making them. Um, a few people did get their Bronco already, and it's probably their first and launch edition, whatever it was. Uh, but you know the plants shut down, and there's even people who aren't getting Ford F-150s, which may have an impact on the Ford F-150 Lightning um, that was supposed to come out by the end of this year. I don't know if that's going to happen either. Rivian says that they're really close to starting to meet um, their initial pre-orders. They're going to start getting those out by the end of 2021. So that's good. I'm really excited to see Rivians out on the street because I'm pretty sure some of the people that live near me pre-ordered one. Um, and that's, that's going to be exciting. Another quick, interesting automotive detail that happened today, uh, which it's not really design-related, but it could eventually turn into a design-related topic, is... Rimac, the random electric supercar builder that came out a few years ago, uh, they, which by the way, they kind of came up with some really radical speed and performance numbers out of an electric supercar. So um, electric supercars are cool. They're fast. They're, they look amazing. Um, and they can smoke any other V8, V10 muscle car that's out there. Just give them the chance. Also, Rimac and whoever else needs to come up with some way to pipe in an actual engine noise. It could happen. <clears throat> Toyota did, but they had it they added a hydrogen uh power plant. So anyways, um Rimac inked a deal with Volkswagen to buy 55% of Bugatti. Bugatti makes some beautiful cars and Rimac does too. So imagine a electric Bugatti. It's just harmony. Or at least a hybridized one. It's just pure harmony. I know people want to hear that. Uh, what does it have? A 10, a 12, a 16, W16 engine? I don't know. Um, Bugattis are awesome. They're known for their performance. And they're known for their elegance. They're rare. Rimac is right up there too, but all electric. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how these two, you know, make love to one another and have uh, beautiful babies. Uh they're going to be very, very beautiful babies. It's like Angelina and Brad Pitt. You can't go wrong with their kids, except for the fact that they adopted a ton and none of them look like them. So, you know, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, um, that came up and then I got to find it again. I had it. Uh, well, while I'm looking for it, I have decided, and this was just weird. I, I found one um, it was random. My buddy went to go, he wants to get a Gladiator, and he wanted to get a very specific one. He wanted a Stingray, which is hard to find, um, with all of the specific options he wants that no dealer carries. So he went and ordered one. But prior to him ordering his Gladiator, he stopped at a Hyundai dealership down the street from us, and he found the perfect one for me. It's a Stingray uh, Rubicon almost fully loaded missing like one or two small things like adaptive cruise control and the bluetooth removable speaker in the back um it, it didn't have those options but it has the mud terrain tires it has the roll up trifold uh, bed cover it has a spray and bed liner it has the lighting in the in the uh, inside of the cargo area it's got the tow package it's got blind spot monitoring and uh, forward collision help it's got backup sensors it has uh tan leather which is the only color i wanted on an interior was tan um stingray hardtop body colored hardtop body colored fenders 
forward-facing camera. What else did this thing have? It, the list was endless, but they wanted the perfect price for it, and I, w I jumped on it, and it was stick shift. So I got real excited. I took a look at it. I'm not, you know, I don't have it yet, but if I do get it, I will tell you guys all about it when it happens. <coughs> oh, here are the two news pieces I wanted to tell you guys about, uh, and then we'll call it there for today. Um, <laughs> this makes me really sad because I had one, and, and I was really enjoying mine, and I'll never get to enjoy one here in the States again, at least not a new one. The Fiat 500 Abarth. It's dead in the United States, so is the Fiat 500. But in Europe, in the UK, it's alive and well. So well, in fact, that Fiat decided to give them not just one, uh, but two new special edition models that are awesome. I don't remember what the other one was, but the, the one of them is supposedly the fastest 500 Abarth. It's the 695 uh, model, and um, which they've had, but this one takes it a step further. It, a lightweight composite hood, I think, or no, it's aluminum hood with these dual bumps on it to make it look like it's twin turbo, I guess. Um, lightweight, some other stuff. And uh, it's got this really cool spoiler in the back that's manually adjustable and it can tilt like, oh, where's the camera? It can tilt like this or this and it's awesome. It actually provides quite a bit of downforce um, and then just a bunch of other uh, awesomeness. And you can get it now it's got a higher top speed uh lower zero to 60 which is 6.7 seconds it's just a beautiful car and it's called the ss uh, e s s e e s s e <laughs> s s it's s spelled out um so there's that and then the last one is <coughs> go ahead and google sometime because i'm running out of time here but uh google this car it's the vanderhall brawley it looks a bit like a Jeep Wrangler, but rounder and more compact. Anyways, that's all I got for today here at Sketchbook Audio. Thanks for tuning in. And for those of you who are on the live stream, stay with me. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, that's it for Sketchbook Audio. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Ryan Sketch. I appreciate you guys. Without you, I would not be doing this. And uh, stay tuned for next week. We will do another podcast where... Uh, we can talk about whatever Dodge reveals this week. Um, so in the meantime, get your sketchbooks out. Sketch, sketch, sketch. Uh, like always, you can send me your sketches, and uh, I will happily do some overlays, give you some tips, some pointers, and we can go from there. Um, definitely check out www.sketchbook-hero.com. That is my subscription box service that you guys can uh, order all of the tools you need to start doing automotive design. And then as time goes on, I'm going to start adding uh, video game design, um, <clears throat> fashion design, clay sculpting, different boxes for different kinds of design, oh, product design and industrial design. So check it out. I appreciate you. Be good to one another. That's all that matters in life is that we're good to one another and we keep this uh, joyfulness carrying on into the next generation. All right. We will see you guys and talk to you guys next week here on Sketchbook Audio.